Hello everyone and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for mums and women in business who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insights and joy. I, your host, mum and effortless lifestyle coach Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners and creatives about what it takes to have a business and life you can fully enjoy. So welcome to another mind-blowing episode of The Joy of Being and oh how this episode will blow your socks off. Today I'm interviewing the incredible Chris Kenny. He supports business owners in making radical moves in their business and their life to create rapid change in finances, freedom and enjoyment. As someone who experienced being set apart for being different most of his life, Chris actually worked hard to fit in until he realized there was no real freedom in that and made a radical move of his own. Today, his clients achieve rapid success by expanding their comfort zones and stepping out in ways that get them noticed. He can instantly see the values that his clients have been struggling to recognize for many years, and before long, they see and feel it too. Nothing ever really gets done without first being radical. And on today's episode, Radical Moves for Rapid Results, Oh, we took the conversation from making decisions that are beyond our comfort zones to making radical moves in pricing. We also spoke about how building a business doesn't need to take time. You see, if we up the prices, we can actually generate the cash we want overnight. Having worked personally with Chris, I know that the value that he brings to the table, in fact, we talked about pricing relative to value, relative to time. So if you're struggling to see how you can be of value, that what you offer is valuable, and that's stopping you from actually upping your prices, then, oh boy, you're going to have a great time on this episode. We also share the questions that you need to be asking yourself to build your business in no time at all. So happy listening. So welcome everybody to another episode of The Joy of Being. And as I've already mentioned, I have the amazing Chris Kenny um, here today joining me talking about radical moves for rapid results, how to increase time, wealth, and freedom by making radical moves. So Chris, welcome. It's wonderful to have you here. And I'm curious about what these radical moves are I really want to know what they are, um, and I'm sure everybody that's listening would love to know what these radical moves are that you talk about. Well, yeah, a radical move is going to be different for everyone. So what I might consider radical and what you might consider radical is incredibly different. So know that a radical move is always going to be a really personal thing. I can tell you what my radical moves were and, and how they've impacted me. Uh, but first understand that the mindset behind it is really that if we want to create a, a radical result, we have to think and we have to behave in a way that's radical. A lot of people, you know, they'll say to me, Chris, I'd like to double my income, triple my income, scale my business up to seven figures, whatever it is. If that's a radical change, in order to create a radical change, we're going to need a radical way of being. So, you know, that's, that's the first thing. Now, for me, that's kind of the mindset that's behind it. The first radical move I made, I started my business back in 2008, and in 2009, I made the decision to increase my price point by 500%. That was incredibly radical. 
I don't think it was a decision that a lot of people would have made. But that decision to put that increase in place and then learn the skill sets that I needed in order to sell my services at that higher price point, that allowed me in that year to increase my income by over 200000 that year. My first year in business, I did two hundred sixty-three grand as a coach consultant, which isn't a really common result. But I think I got the radical result because I was willing to do a really radical thing and then kind of grow into it. So how did that radical moment happen for you? Because I'm just sitting here going, okay, well, if I wanted to do that for my business and anybody that's listening might want to do that for their business, or they might want to leave their job that would be kind of radical because it's not just about money and it's not just no, it's, that. Not. it's actually doing something that you would consider to be totally radical and out of the norm of your reality. Mm-hmm. Was it kind of easy? Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that there are two ways in which you can do that. You can have a huge insight, an aha moment, a realization, a wake up call going, that's what I need to do. Or because then that makes it easier because you don't have any of that thinking around it, or it's literally, I'm making a decision, even though I'm feeling the fear, I'm doing it anyway. So I'm curious about where that came from, that, that, where that decision making comes from, well, and where it came for you. Well, it comes from, and again, it's again, radical is personal. So I just want to go right back to that radical. For me, it was around a price increase for somebody else, as you just indicated, and might be leaving a job. It could be, it could really be anything. For me, the place that it comes from is a choice that the first choice is believing that it doesn't have to be hard. Mm. Believing that like when you start a business, a lot of people will say, oh my gosh, it's going to take a long time. You've got to get your name out there. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. If you buy into, this is going to be hard. If you enter with the belief, this is going to be hard, you will go out and you will create hard. So that's the first step is the understanding that it can be a simple thing and whether it's simple or not is going to be based on the decisions that you make in the process. Hard doesn't happen to us. Hard is created. So we have to be willing to look at if it's hard, how am I creating hard? Because the cool thing about that is it takes away any victim mentality. In other words, things aren't happening to us. If we're creating them, we're in the position to go ahead and change them because we don't need somebody else to do a certain thing or whatever it is. So I didn't buy into the belief that it had to be hard. The other thing that I think really supported me in the radical move was a belief in a particular universal law. And the law is the law of polarity. And I'll just explain that really briefly. The law of polarity says that everything in the universe has an opposite and it exists at the same time. I'll say it again. Everything in the universe has an opposite and it exists at the same time. So if any of you are writing anything down, if I said to you, you know, if you've got a piece of paper in front of you, what I want you to do is I just want you to throw away the front of the page. Throw away the front. Can you throw away the front, Marina? Yeah, well, I've got my name on that piece of paper. Right? Your name is right on it, right? (laughs) Marina, these are my notes, right? Haven't taken a note as of yet. But anyway, so here's the front of the page, right? You can't just throw away the front. You would also have to do what? Throw away the back. So you can't have front without back. You can't have in without out. You can't have expensive without cheap. You can't have one without the other. So if that is true, 
then you also can't have problem without solution. Yeah. And when I approach, for me, when I approach life and when I approach my business, I know and I understand that every single problem that shows up also brings with it the solution. So I don't enter with, is that possible? You know, in terms of, hey, I want to make a 500% price increase. Is that possible? Well, it has to be because the problem has entered my experience. Because if the problem's present, so too is the solution. Where's the solution? It's not, does it exist? It's, I know it exists. Where is it? And then for me, it was like, what do I need to learn? Who do I need to be in this situation to bring this in? But I know it's possible because if it wasn't possible, if the solution wasn't here, it wouldn't have come in. So my thinking around this radical is knowing and understanding that if a solution is not showing up, there has to be something I'm resisting. Because if the problem's here, the solution's here. And the only reason to me that a person has a problem is because they are in resistance of a solution. People only have problems because they're resisting solutions. So when people say to me, just one more thing, when people say to me, Chris, what do I do? What do I do? I want to get this done. What do I do? I want to create this. I usually ask them, what are they resisting doing? What are you resisting doing? Because the answer will always be tied in what people are resisting. So I heard two things in what you said. I heard resisting in terms, what is it actually that, the kind of the question that comes to mind is what is, what does resisting mean to you? Cause I, mm. and then why is it based on the doing? Yeah. So what does resistance mean to me? When I've become aware of a problem, what I do after I've become aware of the problem is I pay attention to what's in my experience because I believe that if the problem's here, as I just said earlier, the solution has to be somewhere. It has to be present. So for me, resistance is you make a statement that you want to create something, right? And then something shows up in your experience that can help you create it, but you say no to it Mm -hmm. because you have a story around that particular thing. So for me, what had shown up was I said, I want to take my company to seven figures, right? I was, you know, really in the beginning of business and I ended up with an opportunity to hire a really high level mentor. And the investment was $75,000 to hire this mentor. And it triggered every ounce of crap you could imagine about my self-worth, about my ability to create money, my finances. I didn't have 75 grand, but it showed up in my experience. And I firmly believe that things don't show up in our experience that we're not already worthy of. So I realized that, is this something I'm going to resist because it's shown up? It's here. Am I going to resist it? So I made the decision to take the plunge again back in 2008, and it was working with that high-level mentor that helped me create that $262,000 a year. So resistance means something's in your experience that in your gut, you know, like in your body, you know you should probably do this thing, but your mind is creating a story around why you can't. So it's being willing to go in faith when those types of things show up. So what I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm even just like listening to you right now and thinking about creating that going, oh, yeah. I've got a really good faith. There's several faith stories in my life in terms of, I always tell people this, it's my belief that the bridge between the physical and the physical is what you have. The bridge between the physical and the spiritual, 
the spiritual is the thing that you really, really want. It's the thing you want to create in your life. It's the thing you want to create in your business. The bridge that gets you from point A to point B will always be faith. Faith is the thing that will get you there. That's my belief. So a few years back, I had an opportunity where I had dissolved my previous business because I'd had a really difficult, I was dating the person that I was in the business with. We were in an eight-year relationship. That relationship ended suddenly when I learned that she was having an affair. And I'm not saying that in judgment. I helped create her having an affair. Anyway, it ended the relationship, which also ended the business. So the business was gone, house was gone, relationship gone. And now what had happened to me shortly after that was an opportunity showed up to go to a retreat in Italy. And it was $16,000 to attend this retreat. And I went, oh my God, you know, triggered all my crap. I didn't have any, you know, didn't have money at that time, didn't have clients. And the awareness came to me that if I did not go to Italy, I'd be out of integrity with everything that I teach. Because I teach people, this showed up, you're worthy of it. Am I going to let my money trash stop me from taking this trip? Because it's shown up in my experience. So the end of that story is I went to Italy and, you know, like, oh my gosh. And I was totally nervous about going to Italy. I was going to, I'd never been abroad before. And I was going to a place where nobody spoke English. I was somewhat brokenhearted. I wasn't feeling good about myself. Took the journey, took the risk. And in Italy, I met my current wife. I know. <laughs> and I've had people say to me, you know, Chris, oh my gosh. And I've, you know, I've created a, an incredible business in that period of time as well. I've rebranded myself and, you know, moved forward and built another company. And I've had people say that I'm lucky. And I'm like, I'm not lucky. That is not luck. It's being willing to do what most people won't do so that you can get what most people don't get. And it's, it's so many times I've had massive result in my business because of faith. I love that because it really points to the spiritual nature of who we are yes. as opposed to this kind of physical body that we feel that we're limited in. Yeah, we're spiritual beings in a human body. I believe that these things show up in particular times in our life for a reason. Um, and I also believe wholeheartedly that if I wasn't worthy of that trip and ready for that trip, regardless of what my mind was telling me about it, I knew there's something for me here. I don't know what it is. I have to go in faith. And I went and I didn't have any, who would have knew that I'd meet my wife, Kate, on that trip. So listeners, what are you resisting? <laughs> I mean, that's it. What are you resisting doing? And if there's an immediate answer, don't overanalyze it. Whatever the thing is that you're resisting, that is probably the, the next step you need to take. Yeah. I mean, you know, having spoken to a lot of the guests so far, I've really heard these moments of being pulled somewhere, drawn somewhere, that listening to something other than the the... the the habitual thinking that we have is so much more powerful because in fact, that's really listening to our spiritual nature, which right. actually gets us radical results more so than linear mm -hmm. thinking, which yes. is the, the normal. And, and it's the realization Marina that the ego, the ego will always protect itself and the ego. I don't mean like you're arrogant. You have an ego. It's more the ego. The ego is the current sense of self. So the ego doesn't care if a belief is serving us or not serving us. All it cares about is whether or not that belief stays intact. 
because that is the survival of the ego. So it's remembering that when we go up into thinking, right, into really thinking things through, we are thinking with the same thinking that's creating our current result. So it's being willing to start making decisions instead of based on our thinking. When we are thinking, we should be thinking, in my opinion, make our decisions based on where we want to be rather than where we are. So make your decisions not based on where you are, but make your decisions based on where you want to be because all decisions made based on where we are keep us where we are. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like And it's scary. It's absolutely scary. And that's why, you know, I, I, that's why I'm a firm believer, believer in support. I'm a firm believer in mentorship. I really believe that we all need support and we all need mentorship, myself included, because I can't see my head trash through the lens of my own head trash. And that's the other thing that's, <laughs> that's hard about it. And I've seen this in working with, you know, in my company, I've been primarily working with women since 2008. And what I've seen women do is Oftentimes they move into, oh my gosh, I should be able to figure this out. I should be able to figure this out. And then when they can't figure it out, they beat themselves up. They beat themselves to oblivion for not being able to figure it out. Well, thinking that we should be able to figure it out is part of the problem because we're trying to sort it with the same thinking that's creating it. It's like Einstein. Wasn't it Einstein that said you can't solve a problem with the same thinking that's creating it? So we've got to give ourselves a break <laughs> and realize we're not supposed to be able to see all of these things. We're not supposed to be able to see all these ways of being because we're stuck in them. So it will require likely someone outside of ourselves to help, help point those things out. What occurs to me is it's a bit like being the operator in the business as opposed to being the one that oversees the business. It's a very different experience, right? Like if you're yes. in it on a day-to-day -day basis, you're just doing it as mm -hmm. opposed to actually taking time and actually overseeing mm -hmm. um, the bigger picture because you actually have a different perspective. Yeah, when we're in it, we're really close to it. Yeah. <laughs> we're really close to it. So, and we get, emo there's emotion attached to it. So, you know, our decisions, you know, can be skewed by all of that. And when there's an outside source that comes in and sees it from a different lens, the awareness that can come to us is really profound. And I've had that experience myself. Yeah. And what comes to mind too is, is you can't, that's why they're called blind spots. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> There's, there's yes. a reason why they're called blind spots. <laughs> right. And the ego is doing everything it can to keep that spot hidden because that's the survival of the ego. Because if, that, if, the, ego, if the ego has to reassemble itself, you know, the ego views that as a death. I have to let go of my current sense of self to bring the new sense of self in. The ego finds that incredibly threatening and the ego is, is directing the subconscious mind is directing how we think about what we think about. So again, I just think we beat ourselves up for not being able to sort it when we're trying to solve it with the same thinking that's creating it, which as I say it, I'm sure everybody can hear the kind of insanity that's in that, <laughs> but it's not clear when we're in it, is it? <laughs> So I love to know what are some of the stories that you've seen by, by this, like in some of your clients, like them taking radical decisions like this that have totally changed, revolutionized their world by doing, by doing just what we've been talking about. Yeah, usually, and I think it's, 
probably because I, I tend to uh, manifest these types of individuals into my experience. Usually the radical change that I see happen very quickly is in the area of price point um, in business. Again, just I think because that was my story, that was kind of the big thing that gave me this dramatic leap forward. Uh, when it comes to value and valuing ourselves and valuing our work and putting a price point on our work, I think we oftentimes make those same decisions around our value with the same thinking that's creating a maybe less than satisfactory or less less of a result than what we want. So usually it's in the area of price. It's in the, um, in the area of how they're positioning, what it is they're doing. For example, if people are out there listening that are in the coaching or consulting world, pulling people away from quoting by the hour and quoting packages instead it can create, oh my gosh, just such a massive result. But then they, they just need to be willing to learn how to go about um, doing that. And I've done that with, my gosh, uh, people from the, anywhere from the fitness industry to, my gosh, relationship coaches to different types of business coaches to human resource coaches to leadership development type coaches. So that's the most common area. And I've had situations where I've had clients come to me with programs that they were going to charge, for example, you know, for a corporate contract, they were going to charge 35000 And then we've gone ahead and taken apart that, that potential offering that they were going to make. And they've ended up making an offer for that same program. Instead of doing it for $35,000, they have sold it for over $100,000. So again, really radical, uh, creates massive change. Having people that are doing a program that they were going to charge a flat fee for, and then instead of charging a flat fee for the program, they charge a per person fee for the program. So that has a massive change as well. Like if you're going to charge 30 grand, okay, that's one thing. But if there's 30 people going through the program and you charge two grand per person, now you've got, you've moved it from a 30K program to a 60K program. So that is very true. And like I say, it's not always in, in the area of price. Other radical things are times when a person is in a business that they don't completely connect with or in a target market that they don't completely connect with. Like I've oftentimes also found people that are working or trying to pursue a corporate marketplace because they think corporate people have money. <laughs> so they'll be able to pay them. So now they're pursuing corporate and they're doing it unsuccessfully when their real passion would be to support individuals on a one-to-one -one basis. But the reason they're not approaching individuals on a one-to-one -one basis is because they think individuals won't pay for service. That has not been the case. For me, I have been working with individuals since 2008 and charging really, really high price points. So people will pay for it. If they're not paying for it, there's something that's taking place that's creating them not paying for it. Again, most commonly, it's in the area of price point with my clients. Uh, but that's also my, my main expertise is helping them position and package high-end programs. So there was something I wanted to point back to, which I really loved about this whole notion of it takes time. I'd love to yeah. unpack that because I get the, the radical part of money, but I think it's cool to talk about things will take time because I've seen, you know, I, I find my, I've found myself saying that to myself too. And so I'm curious around your take on this, because I know that you, you, that doesn't even enter into your reality, really, does it? <laughs> it? It did in the beginning. It did in the beginning. Uh, it was a decision to believe that it didn't have to take time. But go on, continue. Is there more to the question? No. And um, what's been your experience of that, actually, to kind of shift that way of thinking that, that actually it's not 
that's actually not true. What, what have you seen as a result of that? Um, what have I seen as a result? Well, fast results as a result, but in terms of like the thinking, I guess I would have people start asking themselves, what would they be doing or who would they have to be in order for it not to take time? So look at your, in other words, ask yourself, what am I currently doing or who am I currently being that's causing it to take time? What, what's in my current experience that I might be resisting doing that's causing it to take time? What's going on in my current experience that's causing it to take time? And when I ask people that question, they usually have an answer. They'll say, oh, it's procrastination. Oh, it's, I haven't been willing to charge enough or, or I'm consistently marketing only online and I haven't done anything face-to-face or they're unwilling to go out and speak, do public speaking. Uh, they're usually they're hiding in some way. Uh, they could be hiding behind their marketing. They could be choosing not to use things like Facebook Live and all these things that will put them in front of actual people to have real conversations about their services. So I would just simply ask yourself, what is it that you're doing and who is it that you're being that's causing it to take time? And then do an inventory. And then you might want to ask yourself, what would I do right now if I didn't believe it had to take time? That's a really cool question. I'm going to ponder yeah. over that one. <laughs> yeah. What would I do right now if I didn't believe it had to take time? What would you do? The first answer that came to me was, and, and I'm not sure if this is a right answer or not. It's something that I would ponder as well. But the first thing that said would be elevate my 12-month program to 100K. That was the first answer that came to me. Nice. So go and do that. Yeah. <laughs> and when I saw my first one, I'll come right back and say, this is what I learned. Yeah. That was a great podcast, Marina. I made yeah, money on it. Gosh, I cr- I'm crushing it. <laughs> but that was the first thing that came to me. It was like, oh, there it is. So there's my head trash. It's not that I don't have it. It's just that my head trash shows up in a different place. Everything else, is, everything's relative. You know, if people have money, tra- everybody, to me, everybody has money trash. You know, you could have money trash at 20,000. You could have it at 100. You could have it at 500. You could have it at a million. But if you're consistently creating the same amount of money, just about, you know, year over year over year, there's money trash that's attached to that. And it's, it doesn't matter. The difference is where does it show up? And for me, my financial set point, I think through the work that I've done has, has elevated, but it's still there. I still do have a financial set point that I'm trying to break through just like the rest of us. This invisible glass ceiling, isn't it really? Yeah. That we create. We create it. (laughs) That we create it. That's the thing. It's not being put on us. We're creating it. And it, we, again, we really have to be willing to be honest with ourselves in terms of what am I doing and who am I being to go ahead and create that. Because again, if problem is present, so is solution. I just said out loud, just to call myself out on my own stuff, I just said, hey, ultimately, I'd love to have a 100K program. So what I also know about that is if I really want to have a 100K program and that's in my experience and it's entered my experience and it's a desire and it's there, the way of being and the way to create that has to be present as well, as long as I'm willing to let go of resistance and learn the skill sets that I need to learn to charge that amount and actually get it. So I was going to say, what does the way of being mean? Because I have my interpretation of that. And, you know, this is the joy of being podcast. So yeah. it's about the being, right, as opposed to the doing. But I'm curious about what the way of being would look like 
for someone that wants to make this radical change? Well, the way of being is going to be faith-driven for me. I mean, it means moving in faith. It means going, oh my God, that scares me, but it's in my experience. I'm going to move forward in faith. And it's also approaching, as we're making these decisions to move forward in faith, and we all know that if, you know, our current resolve is created in our current comfort zone, right? This is not new news. And if you want bigger things, we're probably going to have to get uncomfortable. So we've got to be willing to step out and go in faith and know one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to win or we're going to learn. So if we're focused on winning or learning, and we know that in every activity we either win or learn, there really is no bad outcome because you're either going to get what you're shooting for or a lesson that you need will show up for you. And then, so what, what then happens is you go out, you, maybe you don't get the result you want. If you do the inventory and you say, okay, I didn't get the result I wanted. What's the lesson that's present for me? You become present to that lesson. Then you move to gratitude for the lesson, become grateful for it, and then move forward in faith again. So that's the way of being. Go in faith, win or learn. If you learned, right, what's the lesson? Move to gratitude for the lesson and then go forward in faith again. In the meantime, beat yourself up a lot around the fact that you didn't get the result. (laughs) Right. Or be grateful for what you learned because you didn't get the result. Yeah, 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 of course. The natural tendency is obviously we, you know, we put ourselves in shackles over it. (laughs) (laughs) And we, you know, uh, am I worth it? You know, do people like me? And 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 that's that's another thing, Marina. And I know it's not. I don't claim that any of this is uh, simple. You know, this is a different. Maybe it's a different way of thinking. But I try. I try really hard in my work to operate with a very little attachment to being liked because I find for me that if I'm too connected to that, my impact is greatly diminished because that will sometimes mean that I'm not in a full explanation or a full expression of who I'm called here to be. So I think we can squelch ourselves at times because we're afraid are people going to like it? Are people going to like me? And I feel in the area of, for example, marketing, great marketing attracts the right people, but it also repels the wrong ones. So if you're being a full expression of who you are, there's going to be times where you irritate people. That's okay. Yeah. You know, what came to mind was something that I heard recently, actually about six months ago, where my head went to this, you know, around money was looking at someone like Richard Branson and his aperture for money, right? So mm. like his aperture is really open. If we imagine that the, the, the way that we think about something and the fact that we have a lot of overthinking around it reduces the aperture and it's a smaller aperture, but actually the less overthinking we have about that thing actually opens up the aperture. So mm. effectively, I guess, Richard Branson has a huge aperture for money. Like he doesn't, I don't even think about it. Like we just send stuff to the moon. Yeah, we'll do that. Like there's no, yeah. And there are other coaches and consultants that I've seen that don't that have a have a really open aperture like yourself. That that because their their consciousness around money has risen, Mm -hmm. they're not stuck with a well stuck. They're not in a small aperture, as it were. It's something that that they see really clearly, and that they can go and charge that amount of money. Yeah. And so, I don't know, 
just wanted to share that. I don't know. It just suddenly came to me. So, so when, I, when I think of that, what comes up for me is thinking about the lifetime value of the transformation. If you're in you know, work like your work and work like my work, like what's the lifetime value of the transformation you're helping people create? Like, you know, what's the lifetime value of you or someone else or anyone really learning like how to sell a program for 10,000 pounds or $10,000, depending on whatever your currency is, what's the lifetime value of that skill? What's the lifetime value of you helping somebody elevate confidence or whatever it is? What, it, what is that? So that tends to be how, when I'm work, when I'm thinking about myself or when I'm working with others, I'm, I'm not just thinking about a particular, like, you know, small period of time. I'm, I'm thinking much bigger. I'm thinking lifetime value. I'm, I'm entering conversations with, if I think, and the numbers are irrelevant, if I think this is a $10,000 program, how could it be a $50,000 program? I don't care if it's $500. If it's a $500 program or 500 pound program, what could I add to it to make it a 2,500 pound program? Thinking in terms of what's the best possible way for a person to engage with me or with a client that will create that result. What is that thing? If you take money like completely off the table, like what's the best possible way that a person can engage with you fully and completely to get the result? And then put that thing, put it down on paper. Like here's what would be, oh my God, this would be absolutely the best. And then look at that and go, oh my gosh. I can be of service to this person if I present this because it's the best possible way they can engage with me that would create the result. But oftentimes we don't put that out there because we have a story around what people will pay or we have a story around why they can't or why we can't and so on and so forth. So I'm just, it's trying to think with a much bigger, broader perspective and, and viewpoint. You know what I really heard in that? Oh, I just had my own little mini aha moment and insight, which is, you know, they pay once, but then they get a lifetime value of transformation in that that yes. lasts forever. It's not something that you, they have to pay, pay, pay. It's something, it's a bit, bit like a cookie cutter, you know, like you do it once, you get paid, paid, paid. And this is like, you pay once and you get paid, 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 but in a way that is for life. Um, right. I just did not seen that before. So that's a really cool conversation to be having. And it allows you to think so much bigger about your work and so yeah, much bigger does. about your impact. And then, you, and then you start to think about if that person learns whatever that thing is, how does that impact those that are around them? How does it impact their relationships? How does it impact their children? How does it impact their colleagues? How does it impact other people's stress life or, you know, stress level. And what's the ripple effect of your work on the world as a whole? It's so massive when we think of it in terms of that. And then I think like when I'm engaging or I'm in a conversation with a potential client, it doesn't matter what the price point is of the particular offer that I'm putting in front of them. But if I teach them in that journey, how to, how to convert programs at five figures, they learn that one skill set. They will have that for the rest of their life. And that will pay them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars as long as they are in business. It is one skill set. But that's, that's how I want people to think. And, and when you think it, when, for the female entrepreneurs that are listening, it's like, think of the overall lifetime value of the transformation. Yeah, I love this. So I'm going to be going, I'm taking this one away. 
Yeah. And it's not, there's a, there's a massive difference. So many people, Marina, are out and they get caught up in, you know, information versus transformation. So many people are trying to create programs that have a lot of information in them. You know, this bullet point, this bullet point, this bullet point. Don't sell information, sell transformation. It's different. It's a completely different thing. And the other thing is that people don't buy bullet points. They don't buy a bullet point from a program. What they buy is that you get them. You get them. They will buy from you if they believe that you understand the problem better than anyone else. So I think we need to start selling that rather than selling bullet points. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) I want to give you a high five, but I can't flash the computer. Virtual Um, high five. (laughs) (laughs) I just felt like, hallelujah, come on. Yes, yes, bring it. It's like, (laughs) my gosh, I I just have seen that. It's just so incredibly true. And it, and it reminds me of a, you know, a personal story around that. When I made that first investment of 75000 ended up in a meeting with that coach. And that coach was telling me to increase my rates, you know, 500%. And I said, well, I need all the bullet points, right? I need to know, well, if they're going to pay me that amount of money, they've got to get this and this and this and this and this. And I need all of the whole thing structured out. And he said, no, you don't. And I said, yes, you do. He said, no, you don't. And we went back and forth and we're arguing about it. And he said to me, I'll never forget this moment. <laughs> he said, Chris, you're in my, my top tier program. It's $75,000. And then he said, what's in the program? And I went, I, I have no idea. I couldn't articulate what was in the program. And it hit me like I felt it viscerally, like in my gut, like in my stomach, like I felt like the air had left my body. I bought a 75K program and I couldn't tell you everything that was in it. But that is so darn true. What I was purchasing was that the mentor understood my problem better than anyone else. I've just got goosebumps all over my body. Yes. And that's part of it. That's part of the training, part of, you know, learning how to do enrollment or learning how to do high-end enrollment, enrollment at all, is realizing that that's what people are buying. And then how do you position that when you're doing enrollment rather than positioning, hey, we're going to do these five items or you're going to have a weekly call or whatever it is. We're positioning the wrong things. And then what happens is we're not getting buyers. And then when we're not getting buyers and they're telling us it's the price, we're believing that it's the price. And then we start lowering our fees. We start compromising our value and we really set ourselves up for struggle. That's been, you know, to give you a bit of background, I mean, obviously, you know, about this experience that I've been, well, just new experience that I'm into at the moment, which is I'm transitioning, or not transitioning, just wanting to work with organizations more. And I had a conversation today uh, with the lady that I'm looking to work with. And what I really saw was the pace. There was space and pace in the conversation, which allowed us to really dialogue about what was going on. And getting really curious about what the problem was and what was really the problem, not what she thought the problem was, but what really the problem was. And when we t- started to talk about money, she wasn't phased at that point. It was literally like I felt that there had been such an understanding of what you're talking about, the problem, and I'd been really listening and I really understood what the problem was. But when we started talking about money, even though they don't have a budget, she's like, I really want to do this. I really want this. And I said, oh, are you on board? And she goes, yep, 100%. I just need to now go convince 
my business partners. Right. But I said to her, well, are you good at convincing them? And she goes, well, yeah, I guess, you know, 99% of the time I get what I want. Because <laughs> I really needed to hear that from her if she was right. on board. And so I, I got a big fat yes. And what I realized was is that because I'd listened, because I'd spent time, because I'd actually not rushed them, because I hadn't come in with like this, this is the program, because I'd actually sat there and wanted to really connect, that when it came to talking about the money, that was just like kind of non-issue. It's a different thing. It's, yeah. and it's, it's the realization, Marina, that price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. Yeah. <laughs> right? So price is, your price, no matter what it is, is only expensive because it's being compared to, to something else. So what the skill set that we need to learn is how, as a person in this conversation, do I control what a person is comparing my price to? What are they comparing my price to? And that's the skill set. And when you become really clear on a problem and you get them articulating a problem, you get them articulating impact of a problem, and they start to compare the impact of the problem to the price rather than just comparing the price to whatever else they could have compared it to. So remember, uh, listeners, Marina, price is only expensive because it's being compared to something else. And the skill set you need to learn is how do I take control of what it is they're comparing my price to while I'm doing my enrollment conversations. Well, a question I love to ask, and this is actually, it's funny you brought this up, is when they say, oh, that's expensive, is compared to what? Mm -hmm. And then they tell you, right? And then they're like, well, compared to this and this and this. But then you're like, well, actually, let's break that down and let's talk about what this is actually and Mm -hmm. so forth. So I love that. Yeah, it's, it's what's currently happening, right? You know, what's the impact of what's happening? What's possible if this is no longer happening? And what's the gap between what's happening and what's possible? And what's the value of that gap? That's what we want people comparing us to is something like that. And it's going to be, you know, how to get there is slightly different, you know, in with different industries, with different conversations. Sometimes we're selling things where we can attach it to money. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's something intangible. But we can, in our conversation, control what they're comparing us to. And it's good that you're asking compared to what? Because then that you're taking apart the thinking that's creating the I'm curious because I want to understand what's going on in their world. Exactly, yeah. And where their head's gone but the challenge I see is, is that when we make those sorts, of question, uh, those sorts of statements about us and we have that insecurity, it's often, oh my God, oh my God, they're asking me that question. I don't want to say, you know. I, I, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and sometimes when we're asking questions of others that might make them uncomfortable or that might trigger pain in others, we are concerned that it will trigger our pain. So then we don't ask the questions we need to ask. So Chris, thank you so much. One last question I have. What are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days? Well, for me, what I'm giving myself permission to do more of, and we've just begun the journey and it's a lot of fun. We, it, for, for me, it's around diet and exercise. We've just gone to a plant-based diet and we've been doing it for close to a week. So it's brand new. But I can't tell you how much better I feel. We're eating plant-based. For me, it's, so it's around self-care. So permission to put really good food in my body, permission to you know, take alcohol out of the picture, no, no booze, and permission to allow myself to feel the benefit of that way of being. So that's it. Beautiful. If someone wants to contact you or they want to know more, how can they do that? 
So they can find me at my website, first of all, or LinkedIn. So my website is chriskennycoaching.com, and Kenny is spelled K-E-N-N-E-Y. So chriskennycoaching.com. Or I'd love to have each and every one of you connect with me on LinkedIn. And if you look for Chris Kenny, business leverage expert, you will find me. And um, stop by and say hello, connect with me and send me a message and ask me any questions that you may have. Oh my God, Chris, thank you so much. Today has been so insightful. And for everybody listening out there, I hope you got as much out of it as I did. And well, until the next time, bye-bye for now. And there you have it, another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your Joy Catalyst Scorecard at www.marinapearson.com scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. So until next week's episode, remember, you are the joy you seek. 